2: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic
1: every day, all bills all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's
2: always game day in Buffalo.
1: Welcome back from the bye week. We never really left you. You never really left us, but the Bills left everybody for a week because they had off, but we're back here talking about their game. Coming up against the Kansas City Chiefs and a lot of other things going on down at One Bills Drive. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovee, it's always game day in Buffalo. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. Not sure how you consumed football right back to the grind. I always say you always need a vacation for the vacation. We need a bi-week from the bi-week after this. <laughs>
3: That's like going to, I think there's a difference between a vacation and a trip, right? Sometimes people talk about like if they take their family to Walt Disney World or something like that, that is not a vacation. That's a trip. You need a, you need a vacation after you go on a trip like that. For the me, it's funny. I walked back into work this morning. Everybody looked at me and they, you know, do like the little jeers of like, oh, look who's back. Cause I took six days off or whatever it was. They're like, did you do anything fun? I'm like, I took care of an eight month old. Basically. That's what I did. I tried, I tried to catch up on some stuff, but I didn't. And end up getting anything actually done.
1: No, I hear you. I uh, we do the same thing, we take the um, we take the bye week off when we can, right? What uh, yeah. how it fits because we're we're on the grind of the the daily NFL thing, so during the NFL season, it's hard to do that. So you take the bye week, you take what it's worth. And I'm an open book, I said it last week during my bye week, I had a colonoscopy. So, hey. Just letting everybody know out there you got to do it, 40, 45, 50 years old, whatever time is the time period you're supposed to do it. I turned 50 this year. It's just a good message. Make sure you go out and do it. So I'm glad everybody says the prep is the worst thing. It was, Matt, but it wasn't just because I couldn't eat for a day. Like, that sucked. The prep for me was just the kind of detail-oriented, how much do I fill up this line to here and mix in this and take two Mm -hmm. pills every couple hours or 15 minutes or whatever. Like, that was the thing for me that was – kind of stressing me out to make sure I did it correctly because the only thing I didn't want to happen was to get there on that Wednesday and they go, Mr. Capaccio, did you do this, this, and this? And I go, oh, I forgot to do that. And they're like, well, we can't do it today. Come back next week or the month after.
3: How many times do you have to do that? Like, is it uh, every five, 10 years? How does that work?
1: It depends on what your results are, basically. If they okay. want you to come back every five years or 10 years or maybe next year or whatever. Uh, for me, five years. So, Good news, I guess. I guess some people could be 10 years, so it could be better, but nothing to worry about. So I'm glad on that front. In the meantime, we come back. I don't get sick a lot. Mm -hmm. When I do it, usually I get over pretty quickly. I got pretty much over this one, but I got really sick on Monday night into Tuesday. So I've been here. So I've been drinking this chicken broth. By the way, shout out to my son. Got me this nice mug. Number one, dad. Nice. Years ago. Um, I have chicken broth in here. And I will just tell you, I said this on the radio on WGR also on Wednesday. Very, very underrated you know, like um, you know, cure. Not cure, but you know, fix oh. whatever you need. I, I, I could do this. I've been I've been drinking just chicken broth from the bullion cube, putting the bullion cube in, and then heating up the cup and the water for uh-huh. a couple minutes. And I this is I I drank this on the way to the stadium in a thermos today,
3: basically. <laughs> I love this stuff. Yeah. I didn't know that players drink chicken broth on the sideline in cold games until a couple of years ago, I don't remember the game it was, but they were talking about it afterwards that they were drinking chicken broth to try and stay warm and stay hydrated. I forgot what game it might have been the crazy cold game in Chicago last year or the crazy playoff game in Buffalo against the Patriots. But that one surprised me that they have chicken broth ready to go on the sidelines at NFL games when it's cold.
1: Yeah, that pickle juice too, right? They can do some pickle juice. Yeah. Uh, there's all different kinds of remedies. That's what I want to say. Remedy. But hey, I'm just giving a shout out to the chicken broth here because it's, it's it's really helped me over the last couple of days. And I'll keep it going. So apologies. Can we get a,
3: chicken, can we get a chicken broth sponsor? Is that a thing? <laughs> Maybe. Can we find we can one of those? Mike, if we can look into that, a chicken <laughs> broth sponsor, that'd be great. I, I don't know. Campbell's, if you're listening, <laughs> give us a call.
1: That's right. That's right. We uh, will. We will be all over the uh, soups and the broths for sure here, and it's always game day in Buffalo. But my apologies to everybody if the voice isn't quite right. But I think we're getting there. In the meantime, very serious nature. Obviously, we're you know back at One Bills Drive and asking questions about the Von Miller situation. Von Miller arrested last week in Dallas. While we were recording, we got the news and mm-hmm. we um, talked about it as much as we could. We didn't have much information. Obviously, we have a lot more information. But that being said, there's still a lot of you know details that are you know still kind of being sorted through for from all of these different entities, including the Dallas Police Department, and then the NFL, and the Buffalo Bills. So we go to One Bills Drive. Really, everybody wants to know, is Von Miller there? Is he going to play? What is the team going to do? Is there any league punishment coming down? Here's what Brandon Bean told us. Von Miller is on the roster still. He is still an active member of the Bills. He's practicing this week. He's available to play this week. No information they've received from the league or Dallas PD or anyone else has steered them away from thinking he's not going to be that he's going to be available this week. They're planning on him still being available based on all the information they have. And they're going to go from there. They're going to let the legal process play out. And that includes obviously the Dallas Police Department doing what they have to do and then letting the league know what their investigation is. And the league is going to have their own investigation and let the bills know and the bills will take their cues from there. Now before you comment on this Matt, I would like to say I think that Brandon Bean, the one thing he said that I think is absolutely, not that he said only one thing true, but one thing that really resonated, which I think is absolutely true, is he said, we know we can't appease 100% of the people. If he plays, people are going to be very upset, thinking that they're condoning these actions, which they're not. If he doesn't play without due process, people will be upset that he wasn't given due process. This is not a very you know, good situation for anybody to be in. And obviously it's a tough situation for Brandon Bean to sit up there and talk about because of exactly what he just said there.
3: Let me ask you this. I've thought about this a lot today. I feel like we both have to, walk a little bit of a line here journalistically of you know what we can say on the matter you know of course we have opinions on this of course we are humans you know you you think you have emotions about all of these things that are talked about these are very serious allegations and that question specifically was about backlash and what kind of backlash do you think you will get from the fan base and he said like you said they'll never be able to appease everybody And I understand that sentiment, but at the same time, I think I'm surprised that he's practicing. I'm surprised that he's available this week. I did not think it was going to happen this fast. My only thing that I will say on like my thoughts on all of this are I don't know if there really would have been backlash if he came out and said, We understand the seriousness of these allegations. And for the time being, we are not going to have him play or practice while we try and figure out more information. Now, I know the reason they probably don't do that is because this is not something that you're getting answers to in a couple days or in a couple of weeks. This might be months and months and months. So then at that point, you kind of pigeonhole yourself because then if you make that decision now, you might not be able to kind of bring him back into the mix down the road but I don't know if there would have been a lot of backlash there. I think there is more backlash for the fact that he's practicing and potentially playing than if they said, we are not cutting him, releasing him, but we also realize how serious this is, and we're just going to have him stay home for a couple weeks. So that was the only thing that I thought when those comments were made, but I am surprised. Like driving to practice this morning, did not know what we were getting into, obviously. But I was a bit surprised when Brandon Bean came out and said, he's here and he's going to practice. Maybe I'm just naive. Maybe I'm just wrong. But I, I didn't expect to hear that so fast.
1: I like your thoughts. I understand them. Um, I, I guess they have to be piggybacked. and We have to say he also said this in the context of they've been in contact with the league. They've been in contact <laughs> with the Dallas Police Department. He also said they feel comfortable playing him this week. They feel comfortable having him at the facility Mm -hmm. this week based on the information they have. We are not privy to that information. No, we don't know. Exactly. I understand that. And I agree with you that there wouldn't be from the fans. There would be some. Because Matt, let's remember what happened with Matt Ariza last year. And there are a lot of fans I've heard from people on social media. You've heard from people on social media Uh who basically have said, well, didn't they learn their lesson from Matt Ariza? They got rid of him and look what happened. Matt Ariza now looks like he's been... Basically, I don't know what the official details is. I'm sorry, like exonerated from that case. I think there is still some legal stuff going on there, but Mm -hmm. that has happened. He shouldn't make decisions, Brandon Bean, based on praise or backlash from the fan base. He should make them based on their own information and what's best for everybody involved, the organization and Von Miller. And I think this is a case of them also thinking what's trying to do, what's right by the player based on the information they have. And we don't know that information. I understand everything you're saying. And Mm -hmm. yes, I agree. There probably would be less, and it would very much look like they're doing the right thing. I think there's also a fear of we're not doing the right thing if we have this information and we feel that, hey, we should allow him to play, but we're not going to do it because the fans, some fans will be mad about that.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing. When you don't have all of the information like we don't have, but what we do have are... You know the police report that has been out there, reported by a lot of different outlets. You have all of the different charges that he's facing. You have the fact that there have been multiple accusations over the years, and those were questions that he were all was all asked today. Brandon Bean. Same thing about the Matariza situation. That's been a very popular one on social media. People are like, "Well, why wasn't Matareza brought up?" Our colleague Tim Graham from the Athletic specifically asked questions about how they handled the matter situation and how that contrasts to how they are handling this situation. And it's an incredibly difficult thing for them to have to do as well, because there isn't a lot that they can say. And same thing for the players, like after practice, you know, the players are of course going to be asked about this because the allegations are so serious. What are they going to do? Because they have a teammate who they have to say, they don't have to say, but you would imagine that they would say, I support this person. I feel like I know this person. That doesn't sound like something this, something this person would do, and we have his back. But then in doing that, it feels like you're maybe not paying attention to the... It, it's an impossible situation for all of those guys in the facility They'll say it's not a distraction. It's absolutely a distraction. It completely was the topic of conversation today, and it's going to continue to be a topic of conversation because on Thursday, he's expected to be a full participant. If you're listening to this after this has happened, on Wednesday, he had a veteran rest day. They said that was completely unrelated to the situation that happened. Whether or not you believe that, that's for you to think. On Thursday expected to be a full participant and then the way that he talked about it on Wednesday Brandon Bean I'm expecting that he plays on Sunday I guess I would be surprised again if he doesn't play I mean I was surprised that he practiced now I would say I'm going to be surprised if he doesn't play based off of what they had said
1: yeah me too you could go back to for you what you originally said about you being surprised he was practicing they could still make him inactive and then you're saying then and by, by those actions, it would be hey, we want to keep him around while everything's happening. We don't just want to cut bait with him, obviously, but at the same time, we mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable putting him on the field. You, they could do that as well, which would kind of go back to your original point. And Sean McDermott did say, as you just noted, he had a pre-planned veteran rest day. And he then proactively noted he's scheduled to be a full participant tomorrow. He mm-hmm. noted to us and said this was not, you know, something that happened, you know, after what happened in Dallas. This is something we had planned before that. So it's going to be interesting. Um, look, I, I'm i uncomfortable talking about it because and – and I'll oh, echo yeah. what Mitch Moore said. I'll, I'll, I'll echo what Mitch Moore said. Mitch Moore said this in the locker room, and I, and I applaud Mitch for being honest and saying this. And I'll echo these sentiments because – I mean, I'm on the radio live every day for two hours. More than that, actually, when I go on in the mornings and the evenings. We do this podcast. We, re- we record. I'm sitting here right now thinking every time I open my mouth about this, I'm wondering, am I going to say something that someone's going to misconstrue take oh. out of context? And I'm going to, you know, something's going to happen. I, I think about that stuff all the time. Mitch Moore said this in the locker room. He said, he doesn't want to say the wrong thing. He said, I don't want to say the wrong thing. He talked about how much he has a great relationship with Vaughn, and he loves him and knows him, and they talked about what happened. And he also wants to be very respectful of the seriousness of these allegations, which we all do, no doubt. It's a tough spot to be in to talk about for anybody. And we're all going to have opinions on it. I get that. I, it's it's tough on me. And I, I always, I'm I'm always worried that am I going to just gonna say one wrong word, one wrong thing? Someone's going to misconstrue. And then suddenly I have a mess on my hands and people are thinking I'm thinking a certain way or said something about it that's too, super insensitive. And I don't want that. Nobody I, wants that.
3: I called my assistant news director today. At Channel 7 after I had put together a report for five o'clock and for six o'clock and had her review it, go over it, make sure that the tone was accurate because of the severity of the situation, make sure that the language used was appropriate, because this is something that is not. As routine is going to a Wednesday practice and Josh Allen talking about Patrick Mahomes. I'm not calling my boss and asking them to review me talking about Dawson Knox returning from injury for his 21-day window. I'm not calling them to say, hey, I need you to tell me if it's okay if I say the Bills didn't play good, and this is why I think they need to. But this is like a very serious situation. So I understand where you're coming from. I very much understand where Mitch Morris is coming from. I feel the exact same way. I have some of the direct quotes here from our article today. Just to tell you what his teammates did say, because I don't want to paraphrase them and once again, portray what they said wrong. This is the quote from Josh Allen. We don't know all the details and it being a legal dispute. There's not much say we have in it anyways. All we can do is support our teammate and be there for him when we can. That is what Josh Allen said. Um, This is from Dawson Knox. We still love that guy. Nobody really knows what happened. I don't know any of the details, but in my eyes, he hasn't changed any. Everyone has stuff that's going on, but no one really knows the details, and I don't think anyone is looking at him differently. That's from Dawson Knox. The last one I'll read for you, this one is from Leonard Floyd. It doesn't become a problem in the locker room until other guys start minding other guys' business. We come in here and play football together. Outside of that family stuff, that's their business. It's not for everybody. So those are direct quotes from those three players, from Josh Allen, from Dawson Knox, and from Leonard Floyd. I thought it was important to give that perspective from the teammate side, but I also did not want to paraphrase and say something wrong or misquote somebody because obviously, like you just alluded to, Sal, having a word or two off, Changes some of the context about something so serious completely.
1: No doubt about it. And we'll get more clarification maybe as the weekend goes on on Von Miller's status for this weekend because there's no guarantee he's going to play or he's not going to play. He didn't practice on Wednesday, as we said, veteran rest day. He is scheduled to practice on Thursday, as Sean McDermott said. Speaking of practicing or not practicing, the Bills are getting healthier.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: All right, first report of the week for the Bills injury report. We told you, Von Miller, vet rest day, he's on the injury report, does not practice. There are seven other players on the report. That's the bad news. The good news is all full participants. Nobody on the active roster is dealing with an injury that might sideline them for this game. Now, of course, the Bills are banged up with guys who are on IR, like Tredavious White, Matt Milano, and Daquan Jones, but Mm -hmm. Dane Jackson has cleared concussion protocol. Great news. Taylor Rapp, Full participant after the neck injury. Great news. And on top of that, Dawson Knox and Kyrie Elam both had their 21-day practice windows open. What that means, everybody, is they can start practicing. They did on Wednesday. The Bills now have 21 days. So December 6th, count 21 days. That's December 27th for them to be placed on the active roster and make a corresponding roster move. Otherwise, if they're not, they are they revert back to IR for the rest of the year. I am not surprised by Dawson Knox. He felt he was ready two weeks ago. The Bills felt he wasn't. They gave him that extra week because of the bye week.
3: Uh I'm a little
1: surprised by Kyrie Elam, to be honest with you, Matt. I think Kyrie Elam, to me, I thought they were going to maybe shelve him and maybe break glass in case of emergency, which this could be because they do have three weeks to ramp him
3: up if something were to happen to somebody. Kyrie Elam had an interception against Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead last year, by the way. I don't think that he's going to be activated right now just because I think that would be too many corresponding moves. I am operating under the impression that Dawson Knox is going to play in this game. Nobody has said that, but I just kind of get the sense of what we saw at practice, what he said multiple weeks ago, that he felt like he was close. I feel like Dawson is probably going to be on the field, but that brings me to what could the corresponding move be? I don't even know. I've been trying to think of like what they could do, and it doesn't seem like there's anything super obvious. What I'm expecting this week is I'm probably expecting Leonard Fournette to get his first crack off the practice squad. I also think Dawson Knox will come back, but to bring Dawson Knox back, you will have to cut somebody. And I, don't I, I, really know. I have
1: an idea of what it could be. What do you think? I don't know it? if this is the true case, but here's what I think they could do. Because of what you said, I think is right. they could release Ty Johnson. I think he would clear waivers. they could put him back on the practice squad and in the meantime just elevate Leonard fournette as your third running back.
3: Hmm. interesting. you don't think he would get claimed? I don't Ty Johnson good for when,
1: Ty Johnson was a free agent for the last seven months before the bills picked him up at you know during the, the, yeah. the start of the regular season yeah he's looked pretty good the
3: last couple of weeks
1: yes yeah, you'd have to bring him in. you'd have to. He'd have to learn the playbook. I mean, if a team wants him that bad, they could also just get Leonard Fournette right now for nothing.
3: (laughs) That's a good point. That's a very good point, actually. Um, Yeah, I I think the injury report looks as good as it has really all season because they have been banged up for so much of it and there's a couple names on there that you go oh okay like why is leonard leonard floyd on that list well he's been dealing with a nagging wrist why is josh allen on there well because he's been dealing with the shoulder injury for weeks now honestly when you look at it in comparison to the chiefs injury report the chiefs injury report looks like the bills has for the yes. last several weeks and it's big name guys i mean here i'll read it to you they've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven guys on their injury report this week but the big ones are the ones at the top isaiah pacheco let
1: me let me just get tell everybody on him real quick i'll give a couple of them you can give me the name and i'll tell everybody the latest update on them go ahead
3: isaiah pacheco shoulder
1: contusion uh-huh. Getting it checked, he kind of came into the facility. He was ejected from their last game against the Green Bay Packers, if you watch that. Yeah. He had a run where he got bent over. It looked nasty, but it wasn't the ankle or the legs. It's low, wasn't lower body. It's a shoulder contusion. He's getting it checked. I don't know. What's a contusion? A bad bruise? So we'll see. But uh, That doesn't scream to me like he's in danger, but Thursday would be a big day for him.
3: Brian Cook, safety. Yeah, Brian Cook
1: left the last game with the um, uh, on a cart. What's the official diagnosis on that? Ankle solution? injury. Ankle Doesn't look good for him
3: on Wednesday. Uh, Donovan
1: Smith. Donovan Smith is not going to play. Um, Probably according not. To Andy Reid. He, he, he went out of the game against Green Bay. And rookie left tackle, Wanya Morris came in, played 46 mm-hmm. snaps. Prior to that, Matt, Wanye Morris had played a grand total of, I think it was eight NFL snaps in his career. He will make mm-hmm. his first start against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Starting yeah.
3: left tackle. And the last one is t- 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 Drew Tranquil, linebacker. Drew
1: Tranquil has yet to clear concussion protocol. So we'll see about him. If he's going, he is not. Now, if you don't clear by Thursday and you don't practice, he mm-hmm. might not clear concussion protocol, but he can still practice on Thursday. We've seen that happen. Then he might be trending to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he doesn't practice Thursday, he doesn't clear. I doubt they have him. Nick Bolton, by the way, it looks like he probably will play. I think he's trending in that direction. He was on IR, right? Yeah, but he's coming back with the um, with the wrist injury.
3: So they're pretty banged up, and so sort are of the Bills. Every team is in some capacity for this point of the season. The thing that I keep thinking back to, I think this is – we'll talk more about the matchup in a little bit. I think it's a very winnable game for the Bills. I think that the Chiefs look beatable, more beatable than they have maybe at any point during the Chiefs reign at the top of the AFC – and there is something to be said about the bills coming off of a bye week and having the extra rest and the chiefs coming off a primetime sunday game where it's just a little less rest and they haven't been coming and they're not coming off of a bye week so i think when you think of it that way it's you got to take any small advantage you can and latch onto it and i think for the bills this could be something that becomes more than a small advantage
1: yeah it is a monster game for the Bills, and it is for the Chiefs. Look, the Bills have lost four of their last six. The Chiefs have lost three of their last five. They've rotated wins, losses, each of their last six games. So this is a really big game for both teams. And I, have you seen the line? The line is down. It was three and a half. It started. It's down to one and a half, I think. there's, Which scares me, by the way, which means there's money going on the Bills. But look, Vegas and the public and the betting and all that view this as a pretty even game. And it is. I I, I saw somebody tweet out, who was it? Was it uh, I can't I don't want to say his name, say his name wrong. I know it haven't I tip my tongue. Somebody tweeted out, I don't know what to do with this game. I could see it being really close and either team winning. I could see one team blowing the other team out either way. I agree with that. I, I think all the all the possibilities are on the table. There would be no result in this game, whether it's a close game either team wins or a blowout either team wins, no result where you'd go, Wow, that's incredible.
3: No, you'd be like, Well, all right, I could see that team doing that. I don't think. Who knows? I mean, the Bills have lost to the Patriots and they've lost to the Jets and they've right. lost to the Broncos. I don't see a world where the Bills get blown out. I just, unless the offense is a unless the offense reverts back to what they were prior to Joe Brady coming on and Ken Dorsey still being there. But I, I have no reason to believe I thought about this a lot this week. This will be our fifth time to Arrowhead Stadium in the last calendar, basically. Two years, right? Because AFC Championship at the end of twenty twenty one, then regular season twenty twenty two, playoffs twenty twenty two, regular season last year or whatever it is. I think I'm think I'm off one year, but they're two and two at this stadium in those last four matchups. Obviously, the two losses are on the two bigger stages in the playoffs, but they have proven that they can go into the stadium and then they can win. And those teams that they went in and beat are better than the chiefs. Now the bills are better also like those bills teams were better than this bills team, but I, I don't know. I watched the chiefs play against the Packers on Sunday night football. I've watched them play when they played the dolphins a couple weeks ago in Germany. And then when they played a couple weeks ago against the Eagles, they just don't look the same offensively. And if you then ta- we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but if Pacheco isn't a hundred percent, like, That's their kind of get out of jail free card. It's like when things aren't clicking, that guy runs with a purpose, and we're going to turn around and we're going to have, we're going to hand it to Pacheco, and he's going to kind of move the chains and he's going to bring the energy. If that guy's not 100%, or if that guy's not on the field, and you've got a backup left tackle in who's making his first career NFL start, and you have the receiving core that they have against a now healthy Bill secondary for the first time in a while. Other
1: than Trey White.
3: Other than Trey White, of course, but. I just look at what they did against the Eagles. That second half was as bad as it could possibly be. They were awful in the second half. But even against the Eagles, they gave up 31 points in regulation. I don't think this version of the Chiefs has nearly as much offensive firepower as the Eagles do, and I think the Bills' offense is a lot Closer to being able to go and score that 30 points on a regular basis than they were three or four weeks ago so i, I feel I felt very confident in the bills being able to go beat the Eagles, and obviously that did not play out but I, I feel the same way this week i I would be i don't want to say I would be surprised if they lose the game because it is still Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs but <laughs> i I absolutely think they can. And maybe even should win this game with your backs against the wall the way they are. I know it's an important game for both of them, but it's not. It's a it's a more important game for the Bills. And basically, if you lose this one, then you gotta win out. So good luck. I, I think they know they've got to have it, and I think they're gonna be on high alert.
1: And they're coming off a bye. Sean McDermott has never lost, uh, coming off a bye. His teams are six and 0 Uh mm-hmm. they're also very good in December generally. However, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. They don't lose two games in a row. <laughs> I, I don't I know, know what the stat is, but if you go back; they don't lose normally. Lose two games in a row. They're very good. You're right, though. You hit all the right points. The offense is not the same. You know what the over/under is on this game? Do you know?
3: No. Uh, let me guess. So you said the line is bet. It's bet down to like Chiefs one and a half. Uh huh. My guess would be the over/under is forty-eight and a half.
1: Good guess. Forty-seven
3: and a half. Oh, okay. There you go.
1: You know, yeah, what last that's year that's about right. In this game, week six.
3: 51. 54. <laughs> 54
1: last year between these two teams, 47 and a half this year. Now, obviously, by the time everybody hears this, could be wrong by off by a uh, half point or something. But the point is, you're right about these offenses and about that offense specifically. They're not the same offense. They, if, the, if the Chiefs get to the mid-20s, that's a good offensive day for them generally this year.
3: Yeah, The I'm Bills the Bills
1: allow that team to get to 30 points. We're having a f- much different conversation next week and a serious conversation about what's going on because the Bills should not allow that team to get to 30 points. The only way that happens is turnovers, I think, and complete, you know, fall apart type of mistakes on the Buffalo Bills offensive side and Josh Allen, you know, giving the ball away or fumbled handoffs or whatever in that regard. Now, I would also tell you though, that because they would give their deep they would give their offense more opportunities, because if you make their offense kind of have to move and drive they've kind of shown they they aren't able to do that with the receiving core they have. And like you said, especially if they have a banged up uh, running back and Pacheco and a backup left tackle. But on on the other side of that, though, Matt, is the Chiefs defense is really good. Now, they are banged up. We've just talked about that. But they're only allowing like 17, 18 points a game.
3: Yeah, but you know what they're averaging in their last five? What's that? That's crazy. 19 points a game. That's what they're averaging offensively offensively so yeah. look at these last five games at broncos they scored nine points dolphins in germany they scored 21 points seven of those came on a fumble recovery touchdown thingy i think yeah uh at the uh, home against the eagles they scored 17 points on the road against the raiders they scored 31 and then on the road against the packers they scored 27 so oh, this i, I is know what i'm it- saying though is scoring on them is tough Sure, but yeah, they're, they're, one of the, they're
1: they have they're one of the they're the number two or three scoring defense in the league. Meaning, like they help hold teams down. You don't score mm-hmm. on them very often. So, I guess the overall way I'm trying to look at this is this might be a game where I, I know it sounds weird, folks. I know you're gonna hate, hate, hate me saying this. Everybody listening gonna go, oh my god, Sal, are you kidding me? You know, old school football. I'm not saying that. I would love Josh Allen to drop back and you know sling it all over the place and score 35. Matt, the way to beat this team this year might simply be to play a closer, low-scoring game and play field position and not give them opportunities because they can't move the ball the other way. And if you give them extra opportunities because they have a really good defense, you're going to give Patrick Mahomes short fields.
3: I hear you. I understand your point, but I think the way the offense has been clicking the last couple weeks, even though there's the bye week in the middle, you can't try and change. I'm not saying change your identity or be something that you're not, but. I think you need to have your foot on the gas pedal, and you need to be aggressive, and you need to take chances. And I think that you've moved the ball and scored points against two other really good defense. I mean, we talked about the Jets' defense. The Chiefs' defense, for as good as it is, still don't think it's as good as the Jets. And what did the Bills score in that game, like 31 or 34 points? Same thing against the Eagles. The Eagles' defense, even though they were pretty susceptible against the pass— It was a monsoon, and the Bills scored 34 points against that defense. So yeah, like I realize that the Chiefs are good, and I realize that the Cowboys coming up next week, they've all got good defenses. But I think regardless of who's on the other side, now that the Bills offense once again looks like that version of the Bills offense we thought we would see for the entire season, like anything less to me than 27 points would be a disappointment. I mean, if you look at the line, you would say... What's a, wow. what's a game
1: Less than twenty-seven disappointment. That's a lot of points.
3: Yeah, that needs, but I don't trust the defense to give up less than twenty-six. That's a basically. different
1: argument. But that's a, that's a, that's a different argument than what you're expecting from the offense.
3: But part of that is what's holding this team back. Like we are, Sean McDermott still believes that his defense is going to make a big stop in a big moment, and guess what? They can't. So the way that they need to beat teams is not control the clock and to have you know a low scoring game where you take off a ton of time because I don't trust that the bills are going to get that stop so I think they need to be the team that goes out and scores 27 points 30 points 33 points just because they have proven time and time again this year that in those close games they lose them because at times their offense has not been good enough and I'm not saying the offense doesn't deserve the blame but they had a late lead against the Patriots. They lost. They had a late lead against the Broncos. They lost. They had a late lead against the Eagles, and they lost. So I don't know if I love the idea of a close game with Patrick Mahomes on the other side. Right, so let, me,
1: let, me, let me ask you this question, all right? Let's, yeah. let's play a game here. Now, of course, yeah. we don't know the context. All games are created equal. As I like to say, all games have their own DNA, right? Uh-huh. Let's just say, however it happens, Bills lose this game 27-26. Uh-huh. You're going to blame the offense?
3: 27-26?
1: Yeah, they lose 27-26. You think if they get to 26 but lose the game, uh-huh. you think that's more on the offense? Because you said you'd be disappointed if they don't make twenty get 27 points.
3: Um, I don't know if I would say I'd blame the offense, but at the same so time... I'm, I'm, I no- I'm
1: pretty much blaming the defense then. Because 26 points is one point less than their average. It is under their average The Bills. 27 given up is 10 points more than, well, uh, how do I want to say this? I mean,
3: the Packers just scored 27 on that.
1: No, 26 points scored by the Bills is like nine points higher than what the Chiefs normally average giving up. They would totally do that more than any other team has against the Chiefs and still lose, and I'd be upset about that.
3: Well, I'm just looking at the teams that have scored points on them, and you look back on that stretch. Like the pay, the Packers scored 27 points against them literally last week, and mm-hmm. they're more beat up now than they were then. That's so right. I feel like that should be the bar. I feel like if the Packers can do it, if Jordan Love can do it, you should be able to go do it. I mean, the Raider. Like I don't even know who started the quarterback for the Raiders. Miami, Miami scored 14. Yeah,
1: Miami. On the, the Eagles scored 21.
3: Miami did score 14, but once again, the context of the game, they had a turnover that was returned for a touchdown that took points off their own board. And then they had a fumble at the end of the game on fourth down while they were also in scoring position. I'm not, I also don't think Miami has been able to show that they can beat good That's teams true. or great teams. So I don't know how much I want to buy into that Miami game. I just think that. I always try and think going into a game, what is the number the Bills need to score? And if they do that, they should win. Because I believe the offense should be what carries this team. And for me I, this I week, a
1: number for this game might be about twenty-four.
3: Well, so does Vegas, because if the line is one and a half, Vegas thinks it's going to be like Chiefs twenty-five, Bills 23. Or like basically that's the number, because that's 48 go. points. So if you were to ask Vegas right now what are your lines projecting? It would be Chiefs 24 and a half, Bills 23. Now, obviously, we know you can't get the half, so 25-23. And that just seems low to me for as good as the Chiefs defense has been this year. We almost have to like mentally trick ourselves because this is the opposite of what the Chiefs have been. It's a really good opportunistic defense with an offense that has an elite quarterback who can make plays surrounded by a bunch of weapons that aren't any good. So... It's opposite of what it's been. It's not like, okay, go win a shootout. But I think that still needs to be the mindset because the offense, I think, needs to carry this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I I think um, if this team gives up the 30-plus, then we're certainly going to be saying what's wrong with the defense, and that's unacceptable. Uh, If this offense doesn't score more than 20, I think we're going to have the same thing. So... In that same vein, somewhere in the 20s, is probably where this game lies. And it's going to be a one-possession game down to the end, and we'll see how it happens. And we all know right now that the Bills are in Sean McDermott McDermott are under a lot of fire for losing one-score games. So let's yeah. hope that turns around, or it's not a one-score game, and the Bills can walk away with a victory a little bit more comfortably. All right. Let me ask you end. a
3: scenario real yeah. quick. Let me ask you a scenario real quick, based yeah. off of everything that we just said. You are you get to look into the future, okay? And you get to see. Up to two minutes left in the game, and then that's where you stop. Would you take right now the Bills up 26-24 with two minutes left and kicking the ball to the Chiefs? So a field goal, you lose. But if you stop them, obviously you win.
1: You say, well, I take that. What's my other option? Do I have another option? I'd rather be on the other end of that. Let me tell you that. Uh, I agree. No. I mean, I guess I guess, if you're winning with two minutes left at Arrowhead, I would always take it, I think. I think you just
2: have <sighs> I, to. I get it. You're, I it
1: f- you're winning with two minutes left at Arrowhead. I think you have to take it, even though I know that they blew that le- a couple years ago in the playoffs in 13 seconds. Uh-huh. But I don't know how you can't take that if you're telling me I'm going
3: to be up two <laughs> minutes left at Arrowhead. I should have said 13 seconds. That would have been way too mean, though. <laughs> like, I'll give you this scenario. They're up late. 13 seconds on the clock. I guess,
2: let me
1: flip it around on you. All right? Yeah. All right. 26-24, Bills lead kicking to the Chiefs, or 26-24, Chiefs lead kicking to the Bills. Which one you want?
3: Kicking to the Bills every day of the week. Right. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's four-down territory at that point. I, I know that Josh is prone to making the mistake occasionally, but uh, he is so good. I mean, at so many different times this year, he has led them down the field to take the lead. The defense just has not been able to stop them. I mean, he's done it like four different times. In the game against the Jets, where the offense was a disaster week one, even in that game with like a minute 20 left on the clock, he got them down the field to get them into field goal range, and they made the kick and forced overtime. So yeah, I would say I I would rather have the ball at the end of the game if that was the... The other the, the one layer to this, too, that we have not talked about, Tyler Bass has not been good this year. Not nearly as good as he has been in years past. So in that scenario, not only do the Bills need to move the ball down the field, they also need a made kick. And I'm a little more concerned about that than I am probably even about the I, offense.
1: You know, I, I hear you. You're not wrong. I mean, he had a great month of September, though. He was the special teams player of the month. But after that, he hasn't yeah. been very good. I still have faith that Tyler Bass would make that kick. I think Tyler Bass would make that money kick when he has to uh, like he did at the Jets at the end of regulation to get him to overtime. Right. I know it was week one, but I, I have faith that he would he would do that. All right. Let's uh, let's I want to change it up a little bit and talk about, you know, a couple of really interesting uh, guys on the Buffalo Bills here. on uh, The last segment of it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast, it's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car? Navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So earlier this week, Matt, we learned that a, Mitch Morris was named the, the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award nominee for the Buffalo Bills. Yep. And then on Wednesday, we learned, or Tuesday, I guess, Deion Dawkins is their Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Uh-huh. I mean, for all the things that we talk about that you've gone wrong and people being upset, just, let's give a little love to these guys and you know our interactions yeah. with them and what they mean to the Buffalo Bills, and this community, because I, I think both men are just outstanding individuals, outstanding men, and uh, very deserving of these nominees, obviously, and even maybe ultimately the awards. Every team nominates a player for each of these awards. Uh-huh. Uh, let's start with Mitch Morris, though, the um, Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. I mean, it's a to, to be recognized as a guy who plays the game the right way and you know, it doesn't mean you have to be throwing flowers at your opponent all the time. I want to make that clear to everybody. You know, you want to go out mm-hmm. there, you want to win, you're competitive, but you do it within the confines of the rules. You do it the right way. And Mitch Morris always also a stand up guy. I just told you about what he said about Bob Miller in the locker room, but you can always count on him to be super honest and give you, you know, insight, really good insight when we talk to him as well.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, kudos to him. Kudos to Dean Dawkins with Mitch Morris specifically. He's somebody I know I can always go to if I have a question about football or about a game that happened. I mean, he was the second or third person who I went into the locker room looking for after the Eagles loss. And that's not easy to do. Like after a crushing defeat, these guys pour so much into it. And, then you have to stand there and you have to ask questions about why did this team not do enough? Why were there so many mistakes? Why did you lose? So, yeah, I think that it's a very deserving award. Mitch Morris is one of those guys who is universally loved in that locker room. Everybody leans on Mitch Morris. It, it almost does feel like, you know, he's a dad. And he's got a couple young kids. It feels like he's kind of the dad of the locker room, too, even though what's funny is Mitch Mor- I I say this all the time about Mitch Morris. Mitch Morris is... 31 years old as of a week ago I am 31 years old I have never felt more distant to Uh, another 31 year old than I do to Mitch Morris like if you told me that guy was 48 I'd be like yeah that checks out because he is so wise and he is so level-headed and then the exact opposite for Stefan Diggs who turned 30 a couple days ago yeah Stefan Diggs makes me feel ancient because we are only one year apart. And I'm like, that makes no sense to me.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I remember for the last couple off seasons, fans talking about moving on from Mitch Morris and the contract, Man, he's a good player. He's a really good player. He's a great really relationship good with player. Quarterback relationship. He does a lot for that offensive line. Another guy who has done a lot, for a long time now, for the offensive line, I say a long time. He's been in the league since 2017. Dion Dawkins, Walter Payton, Man of the Year nominee. We see everything Dion does for the community. He's always out there doing things. It goes, obviously, very recognized because he's such a brand and, you know, snow and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think there's a lot of things that go, you know, unrecognized that Dion does as well because if you really kind of dig deeper, he's doing a lot of stuff. In fact, I'll give you a quick story behind the scenes. We were down at the facility on Wednesday and Dion was done with his media session. I asked him specifically, hey, can I get you for a minute to talk about Fran Brown, the new coach at Syracuse, because he coached at Temple, and he said, yeah. But he, he had to wait a minute because he was actually with a PR rep, and they were going over Matt. They were going over his schedule, and they were like, can you do this and this time? No, not that time. Well, I got meetings, and it was community stuff, and he had to nail down. And there was something going on where he was going to do something, and they said, yeah, it's 730 in the morning. They can make that. There was an interview or something they were talking about as well. But the point was this guy's always trying to better his team, himself Mm -hmm. and the community and the Walter Payton man of the year. I think it's a great nominee for the
2: Buffalo Bills.
3: And I think it's two years in a row speaks volumes, right? That it's not just a one-off, that this is something that's continued. I know he's got his Deion Streamers Foundation and they have events. They have a holiday party that they just had not too long ago. They had the talent show where Jordan Poirier showed up and played. What's that thing called? The hand pan? Is that what it's called? Something like that.
1: I don't remember the name of it, but
3: yeah. Yeah, something like that. So these guys are good at everything apparently. But yeah, I think it's just... Really speaks to the difference that you can make in the community, I think is one of the ways that you can be remembered, especially for somebody who is an offensive lineman, right? Like those are guys who aren't in the spotlight as much as the quarterback, as much as the wide receivers, as much as some of the skilled position players. But Deion Dawkins has been a very out front person for this team because of not what he does just on the field, but also what he does in the community. And I think when you have that mission of trying to give back to others and try and make an impact, people see that, and people appreciate that and they resonate that with that. So one of those another one of those guys that is really different than Mitch Morse. They carry themselves very differently, but each of them is doing good for the community. And to that, I say, you know, job well done.
1: Yeah, and by the way, shout out and recognition to Harrison Phillips. Still doing his thing over in Minnesota. He's their nominee for the Minnesota Vikings, and he still has his foundation here in Buffalo. And Harrison's playmakers, and it's super cool to see him continuing that legacy in Minnesota and in Buffalo and doing all of that. So just a nice to recognize these guys. And we talk about, I mean, look, we're sitting here talking about the Von Miller situation to start this show, and there's a lot of things that we could talk about in the NFL that aren't right. People doing things that bring negative publicity. To themselves their teams their community whatever these are guys bringing positivity positive publicity and positive things to their community so a job well done by all of them all right and then we um we gave
3: last year i forgot about Dean dawkins we gave him the first ever inaugural oh. kent hall stand-up guy award from the media so that was another thing that you know not that anybody really probably listening cares but interactions for us with these guys matter and people who give us their time and they give us genuine answers and they want to try and help the media because what we are is an extension of the fan base, right? Our job is to bring you closer to the fans or to the team that you care about and try and give you insight and connections to that team. And, Deion Dawkins has always been so gracious with his time to all of us that one of the things that was started last year on the beat was this Kent Hall Stand-Up Guy Award, and we all went around, everybody who covers the team, and we all got to vote on who we thought was the most deserving, and we all got to give three names, and Deion Dawkins won. So, you know, not only is he doing things in the community, but he's also trying to be easily accessible to the fan base. I think that that's another really cool thing.
1: Well said. Before we let you go, you brought something up earlier, and it triggered me to kind of just make a mental note and to bring it up. Schedule. build uh-huh. at Kansas City. It's been happening so much. It's been the last uh-huh. three regular seasons and uh-huh. twice in the playoffs. People ask me all the time, why do they always go to Kansas City? Well, here's why. Because as we've talked about with Mike North on the podcast and as the, you know, the way the schedule works, there's a rotation of when you go to certain divisions and opponents. And basically yep. – Every year, the Bills will play one division from their conference where they'll have two home teams, two away. And those flip every time they do that. Then Mm -hmm. they also have a two-year span, two years in a row, where they will go to a team which finishes in the same spot as them in one of the divisions. That happened to be the AFC West for a couple years. That's why they went to Kansas City a couple years. And also the rotation put them in Kansas City. Well, Mm -hmm. that ends next year. I can tell you this, folks. 0% 0% chance the Bills go to Kansas City in the regular season next year. Zero. Kansas City could come to Buffalo next year. The team that finishes in the uh-huh. same spot as the Bills in that division comes to Buffalo next year. As of right now, that's Denver. I
0: mean, Kansas City progress. would not come
1: to Buffalo at all. But it definitely can't be Buffalo going to Kansas City next year in the regular season.
3: I am a little bit of a sicko when it comes to this stuff. I think like you, I've probably – you have you been to every NFL stadium now? All but Three. All but three. Let me guess. So you haven't been to Vegas, I'm assuming? Uh, correct. You haven't been to the new San Francisco? Correct. And then, oh, I'm just trying to think of the COVID year because uh-huh. that year was wiped with travel. Um, uh-huh. I
1: Where don't know the other one. What was that? Where did they play San Francisco that year?
3: Arizona. You haven't been to Arizona?
1: No.
3: Really? Interesting. Okay, well, I look at the schedule like the future opponents a lot just because I kind of want to know what it looks like and what road trips people are going to take. On the road next year is a really nice road schedule for Bills fans who are looking to try and travel. Seattle is maybe my favorite place that I've been to cover a game, so you have that. You get L.A. again next year, the Rams. You get the Colts and the Texans, which are fine, whatever. The one is a
1: great city to visit. Indy's a great city to visit.
3: Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, I don't think they stack up to. I would rather go to Seattle to watch a game. I would rather go to LA, I think, right? Comparatively so?
1: Uh, I think so, yeah. But I'm, yeah, I guess so. It's out west for sure. I mean, yeah. Look, the, it'll be the, the third year in a row to go to LA too next year because they're going to the Chargers this year, Rams last year, Rams next year. So three years in a row. Then you get the Seattle West Coast trip. But I'm I'm digging Indy because Indy's a great nightlife city, restaurants, lots of places to go out, eat. We've been to St. Elmo's together. Uh, Houston is a great place. Barbecue, go down there. My buddy John Harris, the sideline reporter for the Houston Texans. So I'm looking forward. You always get Miami, the New England, and the Jets, and then go ahead. You got two more.
3: Okay. I really am hoping that this is how it plays out. I, well, first off, the other one is the AFC North. Yep. So right now, it's probably going to be Cleveland, right? Well, Maybe Pittsburgh. It could, could be come. any team. I think it could be any team.
1: I, the Bills could finish. They're probably going to finish in second in the AFC East. They could still yeah. finish in first. But honestly, Matt, it could be Cleveland, Cincy, or who's the other Pittsburgh. team? I'm not Baltimore. Um, Baltimore.
3: Probably not yes. Baltimore.
1: No, probably not Baltimore. Um, Cleveland, Baltimore.
3: Cincy, Pittsburgh. But, sorry, Pittsburgh. I was just my mind. <laughs> The one that I am excited about, potentially, is they will travel to the NFC North next year, whoever finishes in second place.
1: Or wherever right they'll now let's not totally put them in second. There's still a chance for
3: first. Sure. I'm just assuming. <laughs> let's be let's be rational here. Okay. If they finish in second place, I, I need the Packers to keep winning and I need the Vikings to lose a couple games so Bills fans can go to Lambeau next year because they went in, what was it, 2018? Josh's rookie year. Right after they played the Vikings, they went to Lambeau, and they kind of had a pretty boring... I think they lost like 20 to nothing or something like that, but Lambeau is very high on my list of stadiums that I have not been to that I Uh, really want to experience. And honestly, I'm... Kind of going to Kansas City the first few times was incredible. It is a bucket list place to watch a football game for a football fan out there. We've done it so many times over the last couple of years that I'm like, okay, can, can they just come here, please, please? But yeah. Lambo, I feel like like what Arrowhead once was for me. I feel like Lambo is the new like. I really, really want to get to a game at Lambo.
1: Okay, I, I get it, and I don't... I, for you, I would love that, and I and I don't disagree. Lambo's amazing. It's a special place. Kind of hoping it's Minnesota, because if you get Minnesota, then think about this. You have West Coast Seattle, West Coast Dome LA, South Miami, Indy Dome, Houston Dome. You could get Minnesota Dome. That could be six pro games that are domes and or warm weather. Ah, I'm okay with that.
3: I think Lambo would be so cool. I think Lambo like, Yeah. The home game. I mean, they host the San Francisco 49ers next year. You want to talk about a game that you can just chalk up as like primetime? Like, all right, when we have Mike North on in five months or whatever it is, guess what? Regardless of what happens with the Bills the rest of the season, you can take that 49ers game and pretty much say like, okay, that's going to be Monday Night Football in Buffalo or something. Sunday Night Football in Buffalo. Um, They also will play at home next year the Jags, the Titans, the Cardinals. So, and then whoever finishes in second.
1: Yeah. So, they made, they, they, home schedule is not super sexy. Winnable games, I think, for the Bills, you know, always at home with some of these teams. But hey, and we are not burying them in 2023. But I thought it was interesting when Matt brought up the scheduling uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs that we should talk about that. But we'll save that for another day. We'll find out where the Bills finish later on. And hopefully that doesn't, uh, we'll know at the end of the regular season, but hopefully the season extends beyond that. In the meantime, it is Sunday, in Kansas City, Matt will have all the coverage on WKBW TV Channel Seven in Buffalo. I'll be on WGR, WGR Sports Radio five fifty all week, and uh, we'll try and uh, we'll bring you another pod later in the week. To I think we should, what we need to do, Matt, is break down the well. First, we'll give an update on injuries, but break down the rest of the schedule in the AFC and mm. who Bills fans should be rooting for.
3: Sal doesn't give his predictions on the podcast, but for some reason, I'm feeling a little bit spicy this week, so I'm going to do mine. Bills thirty. Chiefs, 20.
1: Thanks a lot to Mike Robier, our producer. Until next time, it's always game day in Buffalo with Sal and Matt.